This episode of Same Crap Different Day is brought to you by Birmingham Black Pride. Birmingham Join us Black August. <laughs> Join us August 17th through 19th uh, for the inaugural Birmingham Black Pride. Very first one. <laughs> you so funny. Uh, yeah, we, it's going on August 17th through 19th. We're going to have an opening banquet at the Doubletree Hotel downtown on the south side. We got a great party planned for you Saturday night. Educational Institute Saturday morning and a live picnic on Saturday afternoon. For more information, visit our website at behamblackpride.org. That's behamblackpride.org. All right, so we are back. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of Same Crack Different Day. Good morning. <laughs> so uh, Rashad's not here today, so are y'all ready for the um, hit it here? No shot. I can't even get it out. He ain't here. I ain't got no motivation to do it. I can't see him. Rashad is not going to be here with us today, so there's no sex talk. Well, there will be some sex talk, but not like not like you think. Well, I'm talking about the Lord. <laughs> the Lord likes sex. No, he don't know. I married God. For, I'm not even going to go there with y'all right now. So anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> so today we have also a returning guest in our studio, uh, the Right Reverend uh, Dave Barnhart. Hello. <laughs> and uh, question. Yeah, we we got questions, and we hope you're gonna have some answers. So, oh boy. Um, and, of, <laughs> and of a lot of our podcasts, uh, we've talked about things that kind of dibble around religion. Uh, I think being living in America, um, being this. Uh, Christian democracy, as they want to call it, even though we should just be a democracy without religious denotation, um, because there's a separation of church and state, um, we get into a lot of religious discussions. So there's religious discussions about everything Mm -hmm. from dating to sex to kids. um, Just life. Just life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And so one thing that Derek and I run into, especially me, um, we run into a lot of people who have built their lives around what they think the Bible says. And a lot of times these things are wrong. So we're going to uh, talk about a couple of subjects and then we want you to kind of put us on the right Let's track. Let's not say wrong. Let's say misguided. <laughs> it's wrong. <laughs> Misinterpretation means wrong. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about that. Um, again, uh, this, um, some, this might curse some of y'all's hair. Uh, this might be some things that you don't want to, Listen to uh, one another problem I have with with uh, church folk is the fact that they can see something like you can show them in the Bible where this says X Y does not equal Z, and they're still going to hold on to X Y equals Z just because that's what they've been told all their life. So it's a little bit of challenging beliefs. My hope is that some people will, if you are not one hundred percent on what it is that's been said, that that will motivate you to do your own research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. that that yes. helps too. Yeah, that's what I like. Yeah. So who's going to start? You want to start there? I guess I can start because I have a couple of broad questions mm-hmm. that, you know, kind of bring together as we go along. Mm-hmm. But one of my first things I want to ask about was having this little debate on um, Facebook the other day. It started out about somebody asking about shacking and, you know, some other stuff mm-hmm. and marriage. Mm-hmm. And I said a couple of things, and um, scripture, Ecclesiastes 12 and 12, mm-hmm. 
And Second Peter 1, 20 and 21 was thrown at me. Okay. But basically, you're familiar with those. With well, those. you have, you'll have to refresh my memory. Okay. I don't, I don't have the whole Bible. Memorized. Okay. Well, you know, y'all, <laughs> some of y'all preachers, y'all just no, know what right. it's going to say. <laughs> um, so Ecclesiastes 12 and 12. It says, um, what a scripture. Hold on, it's giving me a Can you summary. just give us a subject and let us go on? I'm sorry. I thought I had it pulled up and it was giving me the meaning. You and these notes. Shut up. <laughs> I want to give it to him right. That's okay, right. it says, um, the New International Version says, Be warned, my son, of anything addition to them of making many books there is no end and much study wearies the body mm -hmm. so he was basically giving me scripture saying that me doing research oh, okay. and studying and all that kind of stuff was mm. you know against what god teaches are but you these, serious uh-huh but then wow. you but then i gave the other scripture, Timothy 2 and 15, you know, studies to show thyself a Sure, yes, yes. So, yes, you know. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I mean, anyone's going to take Ecclesiastes. So Ecclesiastes, the author of Ecclesiastes, is says again and again, life is pointless. You know, so, I mean, he's, he's coming from a particular perspective. And I think that's one of the things that people don't understand. When you're reading the Bible, there are a lot of different authors with a lot of different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And so some of them, like if you if you read Ecclesiastes. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean that God did not write the Bible and just <laughs> throw it down there for Moses? Right. Well, so like if you're, when you, there's 66 books of the Bible. I mean, here's, when we start off doing intro to Bible class, what I tell students is there's 66 books of the Bible. The Bible is written over the course of about 1,600 years. So if you think about those 66 books of the Bible, there are at least that many of authors, probably more, because oftentimes more than one author is in a book. Mm -hmm. um, and, and those authors don't all agree with each other. One of my best examples is Deuteronomy chapter 23, uh, which says you shall not marry a Moabite, right? Because there was some ethnic prejudice between Jews and, and Moabites, or the nation of Israel and the nation of Moab. If you marry a Moabite, it says your descendants up to the 10th generation cannot go into the temple because they're that impure, right? Mm -hmm. So later on, a couple hundred years later, someone wrote the book of Ruth. The Ruth, the main character of Ruth, is a Moabite. In fact, it makes a big deal of it. If you say, they even says in the story, Ruth the Moabite from Moab, just in case you didn't. <laughs> she was deep down in it. <laughs> yeah, in case you just didn't quite get it. That, that, uh, and she wound up being David's great-grandmother. And so the author of Ruth is essentially looking at Deuteronomy 23 saying, oh yeah, well, David's great-grandma was Moabite. So there's, it's not like, I would, say, I would say there is a consistent theme of God's love for humanity in the Bible and God's patient endurance with humanity, but there are multiple perspectives on how we actually do the details of that stuff. So, so you're saying that by studying and learning about the Bible, contrary to what this man has told Derek, then that's totally false, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and yeah. I'm pretty sure that particular scripture was just for a particular point in time. Right. Well, it's, and it's ripped out of context. I mean, that author is saying you're not going to make yourself happy by going to school and getting a PhD, mm -hmm. which I would agree with that. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm here for Education is not going to make you happy. And I think that's, if you read all of Ecclesiastes, that's what he says. He says, I've done... I've overindulged, and that didn't make me happy. I've been an ascetic, I've abstained, and that didn't make me happy. And his whole point is, if you're doing this stuff, chasing, chasing an experience that's going to make you feel fulfilled, you're going to fail. 
And I think what I was trying to get him mm-hmm. to understand, what, <laughs> I think what I was trying to get him to understand, yeah, I can't even remember what I was trying to get him to understand. <laughs> that he was it's, stupid? Yeah, that he was stupid. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah. and that he was trying to get me to see or get that what it says is mm-hmm. what it says. Oh. And, you know, there's no, and that's where the Revelations um, scripture came oh, in, the Revelation course. 22 and 19. Mm-hmm. You know, no. Uh, don't add anything to this. Yeah, yeah don't add boring. anything to Yeah, all that kind of. <laughs> and I did, still didn't get it. Yeah. But that's, you, that's what people mess up though with the mm-hmm. Bible, though. They want to act like that it's written just like it is. You got to take it just like it is. Yeah. And especially when people take out 30 words from a paragraph. Yeah. Like you take out 30 words from this one particular paragraph, mm-hmm. you can make that say whatever you want to Ex- say. Exactly. I mean, you can take a video of somebody talking edit it together and have them say the exact opposite. Like we know mm-hmm. how that works. Yeah. Well, so when people cherry pick that way, or they, they use, we call it proof texting. Uh, they pull out a verse like that and they completely misapply it. So one of my favorite, one of the places I take people is Proverbs. I think it's chapter 27. One says, and this is great for your point. Uh, Do not argue with a fool according to their folly, or you will be a fool yourself. Mm. Right. Mm. And which is great because you get in, we get in arguments on social media. It's like, yeah, the more I argue with this person, the dumber I feel. I stopped responding. Yeah. I right. just stopped. Yeah. I stopped arguing. I got a whole, <laughs> I just, have a whole orientation video. Yeah, I, just just <laughs> block. I've seen your hashtag Tony's orientation video. You can search it for yourself. Block yeah. them and keep on going because some people are just stuck on stupid. Ex- exactly right. Well, so the very next verse after that says, argue with a fool according to their own folly, or they will be wise in their own eyes. So I give people those two scriptures, and they're side by side. And I say, what do you think, what, do you th- what was the author thinking, putting these two completely contradictory scriptures? Don't argue and argue, putting them side by side. And usually the class will argue about it for a little bit, but finally they come down to the point of saying, um, it, it depends on the situation, that part of wisdom is knowing when to talk and when, when to show up. up. Right. But then I ask them, so why didn't the author write that? Why didn't the author write, wisdom is knowing when to talk and when to shut up? And my point is, the author figured we'd be smart enough to figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. So I'm going to give you two contradictory scriptures because I trust that you've got the brains to understand what I'm talking I mean, about. They don't got have oh, okay, wait. So, so wait a minute, give me that scripture again. Let me write it's, it down. It's Proverbs. I think it's chapter 27. I'll, I'll have to look it up for okay, you. Okay. But, so. but check this out, though. So like the other day when, um, and Dave, I think we were probably on the phone. Me, you, and Robin were on the mm-hmm. phone talking. And uh, and Robin said something that made me put this post on Facebook. And then another one of my friends, uh, Ricky, he's been doing like these really, really uh, stink bomb references to the Bible, like for the last month or so. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but he had made he this post. Yeah, he, was, <laughs> he made a post about you know where like your pastor didn't tell you that Adam and Eve weren't married. Mm-hmm. And, I, and of course, you know, you got your people just, <laughs> oh, the Bible says what man, what woman. Like, yeah. forgetting that even after Adam and Eve, Solomon, Samuel, David, all of them had multiple wives. Mm-hmm. But that's that's just what people want to be in their comfort zone when it comes right. to the Bible. The Bible should make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I said, taking a, a clue from mm-hmm. uh, our conversation with you and Robin had, I'm like, well, so Mary was a 14-year-old virgin who got pregnant against her will. I wouldn't say against her will, but yeah, she's yeah. Well, it wasn't her idea to go get pregnant. So <laughs> I hear you. She didn't say no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, what do you call that? I mean, right. when you think about it, I mean, she was pretty much raped by the Holy Spirit, yeah. and I know that creates people's <laughs> spirit. Sure. But I mean, if you get a fourteen-year-old girl and she gets pregnant, she didn't ask to get pregnant, yeah. and you didn't ask her permission. Sure. 
So let me let me push back on a couple of things. One is that so Roy Moore likes to say that she was fourteen. Nowhere in the Bible does it actually tell what her age was. Okay. A lot so of people say she's fourteen. I, I know a lot of people do because because the idea is people got married earlier yeah. back in the day, and that and that's certainly true. But it doesn't say what age she was. You know, and you, I mean, if you look for in the Bible where it says how I've old never she was, seen it, ain't gonna be there, right? So, but the other thing is, I I would I wouldn't go quite so far as this was non consensual because she she has this this speech where she accepts, and you don't know how many people got approached. Before she said yes, I mean, because we don't we don't have stories of like, you know, God went to uh, to Suzanne and said, "Hey, will you bear the Christ child?" And she said, "No thanks, no thanks." You know, so Try I mean, I, I I hear what you're saying. Oh, by the way, that that verse is Proverbs twenty six uh, four and Proverbs twenty six five. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be a fool. Um, yeah, that's that's my. That's yeah, I, where was, I, start. I was doing that to be a little zingy, but I no, mean, no, I, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I mean, you know, I think interp- So I, but I do, I do what you're saying. I value because I think people like we we impose our own understandings of relationships on the Bible. Oh, glory! It's, yeah. but it's like when you like we had this training this week. In the mm-hmm. training, uh, they did this little like team building exercise, and they wanted us to step in these squares. And go. They made a grid. We stepped in the square, and we had to go from one side of the room to the other side of the room, and there was only one path. Mm-hmm. So us thinking we're thinking out of the box, we came up with this way of getting around. You didn't it. give them the, the main part. Huh? What was, you didn't give them the main part. What did they do first? Split us into two they teams. They split us into teams. Oh, right. Uh-huh. Right. So they split us, in, and that's what really got us messed up because they split us into teams. Mm-hmm. So like my team, we had we went first. And so, it, like, you imagine a checkerboard, mm-hmm. and if you got to go from one side of the checkerboard to the other side of the checkerboard, all these first squares were wrong squares. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we ended up trying to attempt to go down another. All of those were wrong squares. And finally, the, the facilitator stopped us and was like, so um, who told y'all y'all were against each other? Right. Uh-huh, yeah. Like yeah, we yeah. we divided into two teams. <laughs> we never said that you couldn't help each other, right? Right. You know, so we we end up creating these rules right. in our minds, and we go by them. Like like you were saying about mm-hmm. about you know who said that you know God didn't go to Suzanne and say, mm-hmm. hey, you want to have this baby for me? And Suzanne like, no, nah, I don't think I'm ready for this right now. <laughs> right. But you know, there's another thing I was gonna bring up about um, everybody thinking that we're all descendants of Adam and Eve. Like, do you know how mucked up our genetic code would be if that was true? (laughs) And they never even read the other parts in Genesis where it talks about other people. Sure. Like, they talk about that in in, in Genesis. I was having a discussion with somebody about they were saying, you know, Adam and Eve were first. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't really think they were the first ones. I think they were the ones in the garden. Mm -hmm. You know, they were special. Right. But I didn't Mm -hmm. think they were, you know. Well, so one of the interesting things about that is that 2,000 years ago, there was this guy by the name of Philo of Alexandria. He lived in Egypt. He was a Jewish philosopher, and he pointed out that there's two different creation stories. Oh, yeah, that you know, too. Genesis chapter 1 has a specific creation order. So God starts, you know, creates light, separates it, creates you know, land and sea, then starts populating those things with birds and fish, and finally, on the last day, human beings. You flip over to chapter 2, the first thing God creates is a human being, then all the animals, and finally creates two, two genders. Right, so um, or splits splits the atom. I like to say, right. corny, corny joke. All right, so but there's these two stories don't agree because they were written at two different times for two different audiences for two totally different reasons. And the first one it says on the sixth day God makes uh, human beings in God's image, male and female. Uh, God makes them. By the way, that means God's image is both male and female. Right. Um, 
And then in the uh, in the second story, God is almost kind of fumbling around, like creates the creates the human being. This is oh wait, it's not good for him to be alone, so I'll make all the animals. And then finally, oh well, that didn't work. So you know, it's but these and the first one's poetry. The second one is a folktale. I mean, you got a talking snake, right? And by the way, it doesn't say the snake was Satan. That's our interpretation. Yep. It's a talking snake. Because anything mm-hmm. bad happens, the devil had to do it. Right, right. Yeah. That's yeah. That's reading back into the story our a Christian theology of that that includes the devil. So, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying there's more than one way to interpret stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we get that. But you know, mm-hmm. you have those hardliners who say that you know. We're all descendants from Adam. And the thing that mm-hmm. people don't understand is the Bible itself is the history of the lineage of Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So and Adam was Jesus' great, 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 grandfather. Right, right. You know, and it goes on down the line. And, you know, then there's also a hitch in that. Like if if the Holy Spirit really got Mary pregnant then. <laughs> you thinking too hard. No, no seriously. Like, then it throws the genealogy off, It right? throws the genealogy off because right, then he yeah. doesn't have any connection with all these other people. And right. people don't think... You got a holy connection. But people don't think about that, though. Right. I mean, if that is true, if if, 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 if if Joseph was not his father... Mm-hmm. Then what, what's the point of that genealogy? Right. right? Yeah, so one... Yeah, one gene- so you've got actually two different genealogies on depending upon which gospel you read. Also. So should the genealogy be his maternal genealogy? Well, I, so I'm not I'm not going to get into that. Ah, <laughs> There's so much. Well, so like I mean, when, when you look at the Gospels, I mean, the, if if you if you just map out how they're different and how they how they're similar. Um, you start seeing that again. There's a lot of places that don't agree because they're not really hung up on the details. Right. You know, one of my favorite discrepancies in the Bible is that in in Mark, you know, there's a story about Jesus riding into Jerusalem and flipping over the tables. Okay, well, so in the other three Gospels, that's what he does. He rides in, into, comes into Jerusalem, starts flipping tables, and, you know, he's because he's angry. Mm-hmm. But in Mark, he rides in, and it says, as it was already late, he left. He went home. He, come back, he comes back the next day when there's a crowd and starts flipping tables. So, I mean, you really see that he was deliberately causing a scene. Right. Whereas in the others, it's kind of pre- presented this spontaneous outrage. Mm-hmm. In Mark, it's very clear this is a public protest. I mean, this is not he. This is not by accident. So right? Jesus was a protest. He was an activist. Oh my God! Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. Look. So look. That that <laughs> takes us to our first break. We're gonna go on a break, and then we'll come out. And I want to kind of stay around the gospels when we come back, sure. and then Derek, I let you go. But I want to stay around the gospel because there's another huge discrepancy in the in the gospels that we talked about about a year or two ago. Okay. That I want to bring up. So sure thing. Uh, so join us after the break and we'll see you in a second grab your bibles <laughs> this episode of same crap different day is brought to you by Birmingham Black Pride join us August <laughs> join us August 17th through 19th uh, for the inaugural Birmingham Black Pride very first one <laughs> <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah, we, it's going on August 17th through 19th. We're going to have an opening banquet at the Doubletree Hotel downtown on the south side. We got a great party planned for you Saturday night, Educational Institute Saturday morning, and a live picnic on Saturday afternoon. For more information, visit our website at behamblackpride.org. That's behamblackpride.org.
listen to Same Crap Different Day. Um, we are on all of the major podcast um, platforms. We got SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio. If you can listen to a podcast on it, you can probably find us on it. So take a listen. Um, start reviewing us, y'all. Listen to the reviews. Say something. Say something. Let us know you're Say out there. Something. We know that people are listening. I I um, look at, we you know. We can see. We can see where you are. <laughs> Uh, in uh, San Jose, California, really loves us. Y'all don't ever say anything, but we know you're there. Uh, we're going to continue trying to put out good stuff for you, but we want to hear from you. We want to know, um, you know, what you're doing, what you're thinking. We got a lot of international listeners, too, like uh, people in Canada, United Kingdom, Ireland, India, Pakistan, Ecuador. Y'all say something. <laughs> Trinidad and Tobago. So. I know. Are y'all learning English from us? <laughs> <laughs> Don't take that. Okay. No. What? So anyway, so back. Southern back. English. Again, Dave, 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 tell us a little bit about yourself um, before we go into sure. this next segment. All right. I'm a pastor. Uh, I uh, pastor St. Junia United Methodist Church. I have a PhD in uh, ethics and homiletics from Vanderbilt University. And uh, I'm married. I have a teenager. Uh, I live in Birmingham. Cool, cool, cool. Now, there ain't no Esonian Bible School graduate right there. Yes. I know. And most of y'all pastors say, um, talk about homiletics and stuff, and they, don't really, y'all, they told y'all what it is. <laughs> <laughs> when they get their three points and all that kind of stuff before they start, that's stuff they learn at school, but they ain't even talk about the rest of it. <laughs> all right, so we're back to... Um, different uh, versions of things that were right there in the Bible. And one of the most eye-opening things for me, and you brought it up, mm-hmm. I've always struggled with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always struggled with the resurrection story. Sure. Because there's this one version where the angel's sitting on the rock. Mm-hmm. There's one where the rocks already rolled away. And, like, when we were young in the little, little Easter pageants, mm-hmm. every year we might do a different one. Right. And we didn't really realize that, in each of the gospels, there are a different different versions. So tell tell us a little bit about that. We did I, the same one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you think you did? One, one of the things that we we do, I often do with a class, is I will just simply like make a chart and I'll say, you know, who who goes, when do they go, what do they see, uh, and that kind of stuff. So you know, Matthew's got the most dramatic one. There's an angel that comes down out of the sky. There's an earthquake. There's guards. The guards fall down. The angel makes a proclamation to the, you know, but it's like that's a, the one we do in, in the Sunday school, right? Dun dun dun, yeah. yeah. But then you've got, um, you know, probably on the other extreme uh, in the story of John, it's really just uh, Mary Magdalene, um, Peter, and the, then the beloved disciple, who we think may be John or could be somebody else. But there's it. I love that one because it's it's intimate. It's really just you know Jesus shows up and uh, uh, Mary gets to meet. Jesus and there's this whole scene where they don't recognize each other. She thinks he's the gardener. It's really tender. On the far other end, you've got Mark, which Jesus doesn't really show up. What happens in the, at the end of Mark? And if you read your, if you look at your Bible frequently, it'll say there's a shorter ending and a longer ending of Mark. And the original ending, before those other two got added, uh, was simply the women show up at the tomb. The angel said he's going ahead of you to Galilee. Uh, go tell his disciples, and then Mark ends by saying they run away. They run, ran away and didn't say anything to anyone because they were afraid. That's hilarious. I mean, it's not. It's terrible, but it's hilarious <laughs> because for the whole for Mark's one of Mark's big themes is Jesus will do a miracle and he'll say, "Okay, don't go tell anyone," and they'll go tell. 
and he's and he'll. Another one tell him she told Mary to go tell the people, didn't he? Well, well, I'll, I'll get back. I'll okay, get to that in just a minute. <laughs> so in in Mark, uh, so Jesus will heal someone. He'll say, "Now don't tell anyone," or he'll and and they go tell. They get to the very end, and the angel says, "Go tell," and they don't say anything. And Mark's perspective on the disciples is like, you do exactly the opposite all the time. I mean, Mark feels like Jesus is Mark's Jesus says the disciples are numbskulls. So like, you guys have such little faith, you know. Um, he also says, the angel says, go meet him in Galilee. If you read Luke, the angel says, stay in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from the Holy Spirit from on high. And so there are different instructions given to the, the women at the tomb. Probably there were different, there were people who felt like the center of the church, like who should speak for Jesus. Right. There were some people who felt like the real church was in Jerusalem, and there were others that felt like the real church was in Syria and Antioch and places like that. So Mark's gospel and um, Matthew's gospel says, go to Galilee, go back home, away from Jerusalem, because that's really where the true believers are, right. you know, and, and John and Luke say, stay in Jerusalem. So two different understandings of where the church started. And wow. if you think about the people writing it, they had an agenda, right? I mean, they wanted to say, mm-hmm. this is where the authority really is. Um, in, uh, in Mark, Mark's gospel doesn't really think much of Jesus' family, um, Mary and all them. In fact, after his, his family shows up and tries to say, come back home, you're being crazy, Jesus says, these are my brothers and sisters, and points to the disciples, right? And that's the last you ever hear of his mother and his family in the gospel of Mark. Wow. In John, Mary's at the foot of the cross, and mm-hmm. Jesus says to the beloved disciple, this is your mother and this is your son, and there's still this reunion. So I think the gospel authors probably had different perspectives on the authority that Jesus' own family should have in the new church. Mm. So, you know, that's where I think that... I mean, when you think mm-hmm. about it, though, if this is a church that your son started, mm-hmm. you know, it would have been very easy to for them to have some type of, like, schism in which, you know, Mary could have felt like she was the head of the church or even, even his father. Right. You hear the story about uh, James, the brother of the Lord... You know, like how much how much authority did James have? And when they said the brother of the Lord, did they mean his biological brother, or you know, that's, was that just an, a term they used? But it it really is. We don't know a whole lot about the politics of the early church, but we know it's it was just as contentious as churches are today. Right. You know. So does that get at what you were kind of? That was, yeah, that's perfectly yeah. what I was yeah. talking about. Because again, you know, most people don't even realize that. I'm pretty sure somebody's probably got their Bible or they. Bible app going mm-hmm. through right now, looking to see what we're talking about. But I mean, they text and pass. <laughs> but the thing, but the thing that yeah. I find most important is when people can just so, like, boldly and flat footedly say that, "Hey, I know this is true because mm-hmm. it's in the Bible." You have to go like, but where in the Bible is it, and mm-hmm. what were the circumstances and the mm-hmm. the situations going on at that time? Because this may mean something right here, and it may be may mean something totally different in another book. Someone said that a lot, a lot of times the Bible is like the um, the user agreement on a piece of software that no one actually <laughs> reads. They just scroll to the bottom and click agree. Yeah. Right. And that's what a lot of people do with the Bible. They don't actually look at the details. They just click. Oh, of course I believe this. Yeah. Um, the other thing that gets me is so so when I start look when you start digging into these things and you start seeing where there are contradictions or where there are paradoxes. Uh, a lot of people who claim to be literalists will say you're reading too literally or you're you're nitpicking, right? And so there's this kind of double play where it's like, oh, you need to read these things literally, but these things over here you don't need to read. Oh so my literally. god! And I yeah, and that to me that gets that gets my goat. Now look, I'm a pastor. I believe in God. I can say the Apostles' Creed without crossing my fingers. 
<laughs> but I am I am not going to be someone who says um, that I'm not going to be someone who ignores these contradictions or these paradoxes uh, and says that there's nothing that we can learn here. For me, the contradictions and paradoxes are vitally important because they tell us about the history of the church. They tell us about the history of God's people. Uh, it helps us know that when we have conflict in the church, we're not alone because there's been conflict from the beginning. You know, So for me, that's part of the inspiration of the Bible. The people who put it together, they had a chance to make it completely consistent, and they didn't do it. Right. Right? Just like this author of Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 had the chance to say, wisdom is when to, knowing when to speak and when to shut up. But instead, he gave us two contradictory passages so we could argue about it. Right. I think that's a gift. <clears throat> yeah, it, it, it can be. But then again, it also makes for a lot of like confusion. <laughs> there, sure. what, what, what was your... Uh, your next piece on. I'm just in. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> if you think too long, I got some other stuff. On my ass. <laughs> oh no! Nah, well, he just. Oh yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> I gotta read my Bible on something else about something. Okay, but my like, there's a lot of debate mm-hmm. about uh, um in just everyday society about you know. Sex before marriage. Um, I thought we was going to do it the last sex. We ain't talking what? about sex. I'm just talking oh. about the, th- <laughs> the um, shack and, you know, living mm-hmm. with somebody mm-hmm. before you're married. Mm-hmm. Um, even stuff all the way down to, like, cleanliness is next to godliness. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's in the Bible anyway. No, no. That's <laughs> no, John Wesley or something. But um, yeah. my question is, how, are the, so, some of those things, like, you know, living together before you marry, is that something that's actual biblically based mm-hmm. or is that something that you know <clears throat> society didn't really want to look real didn't look too kindly upon that so we took that biblical mm-hmm. thing and interjected it in there well so i, I would say a couple couple of different things one is we have this this assumption that we live in a, in a christian society but off really it's kind of a a, a fiction we tell ourselves we kind mm-hmm. of created this idea that we're a christian society or that our our government, our culture are based on these ideas. I know that's a lot. When they're re- yeah, because I mean, our founding fathers weren't Christian. Well, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, they were more like deists. I, but I think so. The stuff that you're talking about, though, um, kind of the 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 religious influence on the culture, um, a lot of that, and and we'll we're gonna, we'll talk about sex in just a minute. But a lot of that uh, really has to do with um, uh, there, there's an evolution, right, of how of how we live together as a society. Uh, if you were to look at marriage practices in the ancient Middle East, um, we would be appalled. We would say, that's not a real marriage, right? So they didn't have white dresses. They didn't you throw the bouquet and they mm. do all this stuff. What they did was they had a contract. Um, and um, the way the contract was fulfilled was when the young man took the young woman into the, into the room that he had built on his parents' house and they had sex while there was a party going on outside. Round, chicken, round, round. And then... <laughs> And then they're supposed to take the 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 bed sheets, uh, which should have the evidence of their union on it. In other words, the the blood and the and the semen, right? And they give the bed sheets to the parents of the daughter, so they can have evidence that this actually happened. And they can say, well, if later on if he says, well, she wasn't a virgin, they can produce the bed sheets and say, yes, she was. Here's the evidence, right? If if that's the way we did marriages, people would be appalled, right? Yeah, because I ain't trying to see your dirty sheets. Right, I'm not trying to do that. So uh, you know, I, I, that's that's the thing that kind of gets me is that we our culture is so different. We have a hard time imagining what life was like three thousand years ago, and in some ways it was very different. In some ways it was very similar. 
Um, but it definitely, they did not have the same notions of purity or relationships or sexuality that we have. And I'm not sure we would want to go back to that. So when we talk about, oh, this is, we need to have a biblical worldview. You don't want to have a biblical worldview. Give me a break. Uh, you, you live in a different <laughs> And that was a pastor who said that it wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for, for me, for me as a Christian, my lens is going to be Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I want, I want to live after the example of someone who who says the the best example of God's love is this incarnate individual who poured out himself for other people. Um, to me, that's that's the core of my belief system. Um, I'm not going to say, oh, we need to we need to have this biblical quote biblical uh, Old Testament attitude towards uh, towards marriage and relationships. So what about like having like the Ten Commandments and the Hall of oh, the Capitals and all this other stuff that these great Christians who rape jerk girls think they need. Well, to. I think so. Yeah. Well, I think um, I will say this: I I love the Ten Commandments um, in part because I think they're a lot more radical than people give them credit for. You take this group of people who escaped slavery, right, and they come from a place where they had to work twenty four seven, and they come to a mountain, and the the law that God gives them, the first few commandments are, "You shall not make any images uh, of God." Now, they just came from a culture where there were lots of images of God. The images all look like Pharaoh, right? right? So, so the first commandment is, if you really want to know what God looks like, look at your neighbor because you're, you are made in the image of God. That's tremendously empowering. It's radical, and it doesn't get preached. Right. You know, if you want to say, God, if you want to know what God looks like, look at your neighbor. It would completely change the way we understand, um, you know, immigration and racism and gender, like... My wife's made in the image of God. I, I should treat her as though she is the made in the image of God. Uh, this trans person over here is made in the image of God. I should treat them as though they're made in the image of God. That's, that's a radical statement. The other thing that they did that was radical is the Sabbath. So this, these, ex, these, are, these are ex-slaves. These are freed slaves. And one of the first commandments is everyone gets a day off. You don't have to work yourself to death. The corollary to that is you have to pay people enough so that they can take the day off. Right. And we live in a world where it's you have to work your butt off, and if you if you, someone doesn't feel like you earned some kind of benefit, you know we're going to pull your SNAP benefits. We're not going to we don't want to give anyone anything for free. In fact, we would rather pay out the nose for healthcare because we can't stand the idea that someone might get something for free that they didn't work for. Right. You know, but in the Hebrew Bible, everyone gets a day off from work because life is about more than work. You don't have to earn the dignity that comes to be human being to be a human being. To me, that's radical. We don't preach that. So when people are talking about putting up the Ten Commandments, they're not talking about that kind of ethic. They're talking about we want to show people who aren't Christian that we're in charge. It's just like the Confederate memorials. You know, it's it's we want to show people who's in charge. It's and it's white it's Christians. Like, it's like hanging the burning bodies from in in the streets of Rome oh, of, of, of people they thought were heretics. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, and and, and and interestingly enough. The Ten Commandments, like I tell people all the time, and you know we've had this conversation. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, like you could throw everything in the Bible away except for the Ten Commandments, and then I think it's Romans nine and mm-hmm. ten or ten nine, where it says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you should be saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hold on, cool. Because at the end of the day, if you can just model your life after the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. you're gonna go a long way not to messing some shit up. Sure, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. Right. And so I mean, so when people get into all this other stuff, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about the the contradictory uh, verses and how you know this is contradictory. This is literally 
two paragraphs down, but this is no longer contradictory. Right. Yeah. You know, a man should not lay with a man. That, mm-hmm. But you can. It t- also tells you those same Levitical scriptures not to eat shellfish. Right. Right. Sure. But eating shellfish is okay for some reason. <laughs> all of a sudden. Yeah. But you know, because they said when he came, but he when he died, and he said it all wasn't unclean. Even nothing he made was mm-hmm. unclean. So that's so along Except with that point, my question is <laughs> if when he, you know, when Jesus came and he died and he mm-hmm. fulfilled the law mm-hmm. and you know all those things were un- nothing that he made was um unclean and sure. so you all so they said that wipes out the mixed fabrics and the un- mm-hmm. you know whatever but what about the rest of it? Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> not right. that you have, the, but you know what I mean. It's that yeah, it's that selective interpretation of how we read of how Christians read the Hebrew Bible, uh, the Old Testament. And by the way, I just want to point out, Jews, most Jews don't read the Old Testament the way Christians read the, Old, uh, the Hebrew Bible, right? They, they read it with a degree of grace that a lot of Christians don't, don't have. Man, Lord, we bless you. glad we out of there. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so like one of, the things people, one of the things people talk about is uh, even when they're making an argument for, you know, contextualizing the Scriptures, they say, you know, in the Hebrew Bible it says to stone disobedient children. Well, how many Jews do you know that stone their disobedient children? They don't, because that would be reprehensible, right? So they 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 don't say, well, this is wiped out because of Jesus. Right. They say we don't do it because that would be wrong. <laughs> but what foolishness lies in the heart of the child? And the bride of correction would drive oh, far from them. Come from. See, I'm, I know you know that, that well. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I you get your ass whooped when you was a child. That's what. <laughs> that's right. I'm gonna vote for ass whooping as a child for five hundred. <laughs> that's where I'm going. Make you think of it. <laughs> well, and so I think about what you were saying. Like most of us have there are things there there are things that we consider core. Uh, and for me, for me, it's the incarnation. Uh, it's the it's the story of Christ. And I would say the Sermon on the Mount for me, where Jesus takes a lot of these things and he says in the Sermon on the Mount he says a couple of things. He says first of all, my uh, he he says um, don't think I'm abolishing the law. I'm actually making it stricter because it's not enough for you not to rob banks and murder people. You have to actually put this in your heart and not hate people. You have to learn to love your enemies and that kind of stuff. I'm glad you said murder and not kill. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry? I'm glad you said murder and not kill. Yeah, well, that's all right. Yeah, murder. See, the See, Ten you Commandments. Know, I, I heard you. I'm doing a little research. So, so then, and then, but then the second, the next chapter after, he says, but don't do these things uh, just so you can get praise for them. Right. He says, oh do, do them. So it, it's like a much more nuanced version of, of understanding ethics. It's like, if it's not rooted in love, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And, yeah. but, and that's, and again, that's what, that's the problem I have with red state Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. seriously, if Jesus yeah. exists, there has to be two. There's a blue state Jesus, there's a red state Jesus. Red state Jesus mm-hmm. is a son of a bitch. Like, it's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. why would you think it's okay for you to tell these people who are fleeing whatever type of persecution that they're fleeing right. that they can't come to your country? Yeah. Like, how, what, is, what is that? Tell me, show me the Christian in that. Show me the mm-hmm. Bible in that. You know, when you when you tell a woman, when you force a woman to have a baby that she can't afford, and then say, well, we already knew you couldn't afford to have this baby, but now you got to try to figure out a way to feed them, and we're not going to give you any food stamps because we think you lazy. Right. Like, mm-hmm. where where is the... That's where not pro-life. Is the, that is not, that's not pro-life. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's... And, 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 and I hate to say it, it's all it's always men, mostly white men. It is. No. Doing this. Black men ain't much better. We trash too. But I mean, my God, like I see all mm-hmm. these wealthy white men with all this wealth. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what are you going to do with the billion dollars? Right. Well, and so what I what I what you're talking about there too, I I think as as a guy, so I'm a straight guy. 
right? And the two biggest issues right now that that straight white Christians are promoting are uh, being anti-gay and anti-abortion. Well, you know what? I don't have to worry about either of those. Right. You know, it's not that's not something that's going to affect my life. So it's really easy for me to look at someone else and say, these are the most important things you need to avoid. Well, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus has a term for that. It's called tying up heavy burdens for others. Mm. You don't have to bear them. And when others, and you tie them up for others and you don't lift a finger to help them. Right. That's in Matthew chapter 23. That to me is one of the most powerful critiques of religious leaders because um, Jesus is going off on the religious leaders. And to me, that Matthew chapter 23 is one that I have to look at and internalize for myself as a religious leader. If it's not a sin that I'm likely to commit, right. why am I tripling and quadrupling down on it when I really need to be looking at the things I'm likely to commit? Let's go back to the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. Like I, I want to see someone actually live that out who is promoting putting the Ten Commandments up. Right. Because right now, so much of our, our economy is based on coveting, right? Yeah. Thou shalt not covet. You really going to follow that? The American economy would collapse, right. you know? <laughs> so what about the, uh, okay, this, um, I don't know why I just threw this out, but the um, scripture, so a man thinks, so is he. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of our old Baptist mothers would say, well, if you thought it, you might as well should did it. You're going to be um, punished the same way, you know, one way or the other. <laughs> you know, that's not, and I was yeah. like, well, they, they rock, think a lot of things, yeah. but, you know, I might, you know. I think, yeah, I think that's one of those, again, those taking something out of context and making it extreme. I mean, Jesus says, come to me, all you you who labor and are and heavy I laden. I will, my burden is, yeah, I'll give you rest. My burden is light. And so where is that Jesus? You know, if it's... If, he ain't in Alabama, let me tell you. If that. he's going to be policing your, if he's going to be policing your thoughts and you're living your life in terror, how is that a light burden, you know? Um, so I, I think that's... I think it's a misinterpretation. I think it's a misreading mm-hmm. of, of what Jesus is talking I think he does say, you know, we're trying to live live in such a way that all of our actions are motivated by love. Right. And so you're not going to hate. You're not going to... Uh, when it comes to adultery, what in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, um, if, if a man looks at a woman with lust, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart. Um, I don't think he's yeah, saying... Stuff like that right I don't there. think he's saying don't have sexual desire because that would end the human race. Right. But he is saying don't... It's it's tying adultery with covetousness. Like if, again, if you were to think about that in terms of the modern world, the Me Too movement, oh my gosh, how many women can tell you that they're treated like objects, like like something to be coveted by men? But you know, yeah. the extremists they go extreme on everything. Like there's a difference between if you're heterosexual looking at a woman, if mm-hmm. you're married looking at a woman, oh she's very pretty, she's very attractive. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference doing that. Go. Damn, I like some of that ass. Right. <laughs> Who damn? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, right. there's, exactly. A, there's a huge difference between that, but people want to lump those all in the same thing. One more thing, and then we're going to go into our second break. Mm-hmm. But um, you've probably seen my Facebook rants um, <laughs> about uh, these black pastors who went up yeah. and talked to the president. Yeah. Um, my personal belief is we cannot get that man an audience. Our job is to get him out of office. Mm-hmm. And it's not doing the same vein of hate and vileness that the Republicans did to President Obama. Mm-hmm. They didn't like him because he was black. Right. President Obama has never denigrated people. He's never made fun of people. He's mm-hmm. never given people these little childish-ass names. Mm-hmm. You know, he's never said grab them by the pussy. You know, we hadn't right. heard him do any of that. So when people do stuff like that, I think you have a right to dislike them and chastise them. 
But mm-hmm. they did that solely because he was black and wrapped it in the burrito of we have a difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the difference of opinion is your black ass shouldn't be president. That's what that boiled down to. <laughs> yeah. That was a difference no, of opinion. Yeah. But you got these black ministers. Black mm-hmm. ministers, one from Birmingham, which I'm so disappointed in, but I'm not really surprised because, you know, when you know his history here in Birmingham, it kind of goes with the with the with the cake. Sure. But they go up there for this meeting mm-hmm. and probably have had several meetings because Van Moody was like, well, the first time I went and we we're like the first time you went, mm-hmm. you know, I understand that. Sometimes it takes religiously. I mean, Martin Luther King was a pastor. He was a religious leader who went up there and did what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. These guys aren't Martin Luther Kings. Right. They mm-hmm. they are not. Mm-hmm. What what is your take on that? Yeah. And I want you to know this is a safe space. I want you to because <laughs> <laughs> everybody's saying they I'm whoop their ass because no, you're my boy. <laughs> well, so yeah. Before, but well, before I say anything about black pastors, I mean, because because we know this is they are working. We know at- your folks problematic. Right, right, exactly. Well, because because I, I, and I expect white, yeah. I expect it to say but it. It's not funny though, because because like we expect poor white folks, white Southerners, to be against their own self interest. But that's, like, that's what they that's they've been, but they've been doing that since the yeah. end of the Civil War, right? And there's right. no way to stop them, right? But I almost expected that, yeah, from from poor white pastors, yeah, right. You know, I didn't expect, mm-hmm. especially people like uh, what's that man that y'all like, John? What's his name? The one with the uh, skinny jeans on. Um, don't tell me I don't like nobody. I don't like well, <laughs> but he in the man he in Atlanta. Yeah, but I mm-hmm. mean, I, I didn't expect that from this particular group of ministers. Right. right. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's interesting because well, for one thing, it's interesting speaking of the Bible because there is this story of internalized oppression. You know that you can get you can get folks out of Egypt. But it's hard to get Egypt out of the folks, yeah. right? And and so you have this situation where like let's where they're they're in freedom and they say let's go back to Egypt, uh, because we at least we had it good there, right? You know, and because because freedom's scarier. And so I do think what you have here is a symptom of internalized oppression and kissing up to power. Um, and I will I will make the you know when, when the first church I served was in a small rural community. And uh, most of the people were, were, not everyone was poor, but there was a lot of poverty. Uh, but the attitude was, you know, whatever's, whatever's good for Goodyear is good for us. You know, so we're not going to unionize. We're not going to speak up or do anything. We're going to kowtow to whatever rich people want, want us to do. And so I, I think that's the way, that's just the, the evil way oppression works, is that, is that some people want to go back to Egypt. Uh, and they, w- they would be fine with that as long as they had a little bit more power, a little bit more influence. Kind of like when we talked about the Handmaid's Tale, right? Oh, yeah. So we sell each other out, and and oftentimes it's over something stupid. It's like uh, just a little bit of extra power, a little bit of extra recognition, um, a little bit of extra money, and we will we will sell our brother into slavery. But you know the the, bull, the real bullshittery in that whole thing was they were going to talk to him about prison reform. Yeah, prison reform when your attorney general is literally trying to crank up private prisons. Yes. When you ran a full page ad in the New York Times about the oh Central Park Five, yeah, you know when you literally have put these babies in cages, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you want to talk about prisoner reform, right? I've right? been like, what the hell? Like, who? How, how are you? How, how are we even gonna say we're gonna have a conversation like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm really disappointed that those men did not, you know, question that. Sometimes you have to question authority. They didn't say anything prophetic, and if you look at the prophets. You look at Elijah going up in front of Ahab. I mean, you know, Nathan goes goes to David and says, "You are the man," right? I would love to see that. 
I would love to see them go in with a list of demands and say, you know, you are like these Old Testament kings. You're like, especially Ahab, story of Ahab, uh, where he is enriching himself as king by, you know, through, through, um, well, we call that trumping now. Right. It's, it's standard. So somebody going to inbox you, Tony, probably the person that said I was intellectually dishonest. They, they don't want none of this. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> sir, madam, whoever you are, you don't want any of I'm this. I'm just saying, I got, um, because I'm a little bit of a Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I understand the every, the outrage and the arguments about, you know, the pastors going to talk to Trump and doing that little meeting or whatever. Most of them have had not so good, you know, statements that, you know, to justify their going, maybe a, a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, I kind of somewhat like what you call this statement in the beginning. Cool. Um, the John man, you know, like in the beginning, because he already knew it was gonna be some mm-hmm. some stuff. His, his, uh, wife, his, his initial, his, uh, when he was talking, he's telling that clip when he was talking to his to his congregation when they around here jumping and raising hands when he put him as told them I went so wet. Like that's what I got from that. Like I, I went so wet. I don't know if we talking about that. Well, no. I didn't know. Okay. But long story short, so I can see that. At some point, at some, you know, whatever, there wants to be that person that say, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to make something happen. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But then that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, because a couple of them said they were misled about what went on oh, sure. and sure. all that other kind of stuff. So in that situation, that scenario, I can honestly, like somebody like me, I'm, look, I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to see what he got to say. Mm-hmm. And if he don't got nothing wrong, and he don't want to hear what I got to say, I'm out. Now, they didn't give, you know, that kind of little thing. But I can honestly see trying to make some sort of, you know, mm-hmm. effort. If so-and-so couldn't do it, I mean, so-and-so couldn't do it. But let me, I might have a different, you know. Right. I, I hear what you're Pick saying. me. Pick me. <laughs> <laughs> I know pick what you're going to go, go Tony. Go. Because I'm, I'm, I'm actually with you. Until the ass kissing that went on at the end of that, yeah, and that's meeting. the part. That's the part I have the issue but, with. But that, at the end of the day, that's all we saw. Mm-hmm. So don't you know? If, if you feel like you could go out there and talk to him and make a difference, I say go. Mm-hmm. But for the love of Pete, don't go out there and kiss his ass and just tell him what a great person right. he is. Like why? Why would you do that? When when you know that they're go- that's all, the only part they're going to film. Like yeah, if there's anything and, said before, you're going to be used. They're, they're just going to be using you. Uh, it's tough. And you know? that was the issue. Like a couple but you of know, them was like, but you know, no, 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 no. But you know that's what's going to happen. <laughs> you see it happening <laughs> with the staff means that they have every fucking right. week. Then, then they got the HBCU presidents right, up there. The they did the president. same damn thing. So what make you think your third or fourth mean was going to be any different? Mm-hmm. This administration well, you know. doesn't care about people, period. And I don't see any point in talking to them. We need to vote their asses out of office, <laughs> period. Because they're not doing anything they are enriching themselves on the backs of poor people mm-hmm. all this stuff ryan zinking them have done all the stuff that uh what the little bdi man name that was the um scott pruitt scott pruitt yep. i mean all that <laughs> stuff <laughs> all this stuff they're doing like they yeah, literally yeah. Like, literally are rolling back police pollution protocols yeah i, I, I mean I know. why why are we trying to talk to them right i, I think wait a minute wait 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 let me just say this. Because <laughs> I done got mad. Yeah, yeah. Like, we see. It, it's, not, it's, not even, yeah. it's not even why do we want to talk to them, but do you think they're going to change? Right. And no one can, no one can say yes. Mm-hmm. 
Like I I I want one person who can say, I think we can say something that's gonna change them. Okay, we're going to go to break. (laughs) It just needs to be the right person to say it the right way. No, what I'm saying is... No, 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 no. listen. No, no, I'm not. Because let me ask you this. What do you think that anybody's going to be able to say to to make this man change his mind? What I'm trying to say is the ones that are going are the mouthpieces that need to be making... Someone needs to make a statement to him just like he's making a statement. Let me tell you who who's making it. They need somebody on the outside, like um, Auntie Maxine. He she gets under his skin because I'm I'm just gonna tell it like it is. And it needs some. It needs to be a. That's so, not the point. Yeah. We can we don't have to keep telling them the story. We talking about change. Like what are you gonna do to make them change? Sometimes you got to do what they do, honey. I'm an alcohol food just like you for a minute. And, but that's and, not... Let me show you what to do. I understand. That is not going... My my point is this. I'm not going to come talk to you every day if I know you're going to shit on my shoes. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. Because every time I go talk to you, you're going to shit on my shoes. Mm-hmm. And, and Derek going to come talk to you, well, you're going to shit on Derek's shoes too. Well, then Angela comes, she talks to you, you shit on her shoes then. Mm-hmm. Then you shit on Bobby's shoes. So we know you are a shoe shitter. Right. Why are we wasting our time talking to you at that point? Because the Bible says 70 times 7. Well, Fuck that. I got a scripture thing. So when, Je- when, when uh, concerned trolls come to Jesus and they say, you need to get out of town because Herod wants to kill you, he says, you go tell that fox. And by the way, Fox did not. It had, there was no positive connotation. It was like right. you go tell that weasel mm-hmm. uh, that he that I'm leaving, but it's not because of him. I'm going to Jerusalem because he doesn't have the power to kill me. They're just going to kill me in Jerusalem because that's that is a really powerful statement. But people don't understand. Jesus just insulted the king, right? And I do think there is a time at which you you cut your losses and you say, "Look, don't throw your pearls before swine. They're just going to turn and maul you, right? You just you don't." address foolishness you turn and you walk away so i i do i think that's what we are at this point yeah like there's no like Mm -hmm. there's no logic with him his own wife after he after he berated (laughs) lebron james his own wife said good job lebron Mm -hmm. like there's no there's no reasoning with him yeah and I think it's a waste of time. Anyway, we're finna go to our third. Our I second think Melania break. gonna cuss him out on TV. That's gonna be nice. <laughs> they, gonna, <laughs> they gonna put her back in the cage because I'm pretty sure. Well, I ain't starting her. She let her folks, her, her mom and dad come. Chain migration. migration. Mm. Anyway, well, we'll see you after this <laughs> next break. Thanks for listening. Oh my God. This episode of Same Crap Different Day is brought to you by Birmingham Black Pride. Join Birmingham us August. <laughs> Join us August 17th through 19th uh, for the inaugural Birmingham Black Pride. Very first one. <laughs> You're so funny. Uh, yeah, we, it's going on August 17th through 19th. We're going to have an opening banquet at the Doubletree Hotel downtown on the south side. We got a great party planned for you Saturday night, Educational Institute Saturday morning, and a live picnic on Saturday afternoon. For more information, visit our website at behamblackpride.org. That's behamblackpride.org. So we are 
we're back. We back. <laughs> Last segment of this episode, same crap, different he day. Heroes, 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 <laughs> heroes from the dead. Mm-hmm. Woo! Okay, that last one got a little bit heated, but I, just thought, <laughs> I don't do foolishness well. That's just not how I roll. But um, so let's talk about something that's near and dear to all of our hearts. So in the in the vein of um of contradictions in how we cherry pick, you know, the things that we want from the Bible to fit our own needs, whether they be good or nefarious. Um, there's this big, and I think now it's going to be even bigger. Like if 45 gets impeached, mm-hmm. then we get Pence as president. Mm-hmm. And, you know, say what you want about 45. I like him because he's stupid. He wrote the handmaids to you. <laughs> but Pence, no, Pence, <laughs> is, the, Pence is, the, is, the, is the archetype for the handmaids. I know. Gilead. He's the founder of Gilead. He right. probably got his blueprint in the desk. If y'all don't know about the handmaids still, you need to listen to our, 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 our last, our, what was I think, the fourth episode on the handmaids still. Um, I don't even know which one. But we had Dave here with us then, too, and it was kind of uh, rowdy. But so there's this big debate about gay marriage. And so some of the the biggest things that people say when they're talking about how unnatural it is for gay people to get married is the fact that gay people can't procreate. So you can't put two women together, two men together, and have a baby. Well, by that same token, shit, people who are sterile not just get married. Old people. Old people. Like, what's the point of grandma and granddad being married at this point? They Them dust the eggs. It's not going to produce nothing. Like, mm-hmm. what's the point? Mm-hmm. So... Being a preacher, being a straight preacher, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about some of those um, myths that people, uh, well, not myths, but just misinterpretations or hard, hard failed, uh, hard, hard held um, beliefs about homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Or even when people start getting married for love, if that has anything to do with it as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Well, I, so overall, I would say, I would say that people tend to read the Bible as though it is sex negative, right? And and it isn't. Uh, the people well, who we know it, it was no ghost, gay sex in the Bible, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> there's some there's some allusions. I think there's some allusions to to uh, gay sex in the Bible that that are not in a condemning in a condemning way. But that that was probably going to be a different uh, podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me. So, I do want to touch on that after we talk about the yeah. Old Testament prohibitions and and sure. Well, so most people, there, most people go to there are these seven clobber passages that people use from you know the Leviticus eighteen and twenty. Some people use some people go back and use Genesis, which again that's proof texting. Well, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, uh, and that kind of that garbage. ain't in the Bible. And then they go up to Romans and they'll use stuff from Romans. Well, th- there's about seven of these clobber passages, and they've been dealt with in other places. I would recommend if anyone wants to read Matthew Vine's book, God and the Gay Christian, or look up on the web, look up his talk. He he talks for about an hour. Does a great job summarizing research, and this research has been around for like 20, 30 years. This is not new stuff, but a lot of times it's been stuck in the university and the academy and hasn't made its way down to the churches a lot of times. Mm. Um, but, but, I mean, I remember hearing in the, in the 90s uh, looking at these different passages and saying, we may not be interpreting these correctly. My, so going to the, Le- the Leviticus passage, which says there's, there's Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, those, those are the two chapters, where people interpret this as being about homosexuality. First of all, it's not about homosexuality because that's not a word we invented until the 1900s, um, maybe 1800s. But if you look at what it actually says is it says a man shall not lie with a man as with a woman, which makes it pretty clear that it's not 
that's not homosexuality because where there's no word in there about lesbianism at all. Right. In fact, if you look before and you look after, there's prohibitions against adultery. It says if, if a man and a woman could commit adultery, you'll put the man to death, you put the woman to death. You look at bestiality or something like that, it says a man and a woman. You look at this one passage, it's not parallel. It just says a man should not lie with a man as with a woman. It says nothing about women. So that means it would be another 1,300 years or so before Paul wrote anything that anyone could interpret as being about lesbianism. So lesbians are off the hook, right? So this isn't about homosexuality. What it was, again, about this group of people, my theory, is that you have a group of ex-slaves who have had their dignity stripped from them. And from their perspective, treating a man as a woman was a lack of dignity. I don't think they had a concept of loving, loving same-sex right. relationships, right? Um, the covenant made with Abraham was that you will have lots of descendants. And so that's where they, they focused their energy in terms of thinking about how we want relationships to be. Um, the idea of a loving, consensual, uh, faithful relationship between two gay men would have been very un foreign to them. Um, if you look at the, the dominant way that the pagan cultures treated homosexuality, homosexuality at the time, it was really, again, it was very patriarchal. Right. A man might be married, but he might also have a mistress, and he might also have a male lover on the side, because it was really about, if you had more power, you got to penetrate more people. And so, again, is that the world we want to live in? And I think not. No. I think that's not the world we want to live in. So It is the world we live in, though. Well, I know, right? We still live in <laughs> We do live in that world. We're still dealing with it. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, but, but I think that's really, that's really one of the key uh, the key issues. I don't think that verse is about homosexuality. Um, you look at the Romans passage uh, where Paul is talking about, uh, he says men, uh, men had passion for each other and women had lust for each other. Uh, in the context of that argument, if you read Romans chapter 1, he says he's talking about Gentiles. He's talking about pagans. He says the pagans worshipped these pagan gods. If you know anything about Greek mythology, you've got Zeus seducing all these women and men. And men. Uh, they, they worship these these pagan gods who were made in the images of four-footed animals, and you know Zeus uh, seduces Europa as a bull. He has sex with Leda as a swan. He has sex with Danae as a golden shower. Hmm. Mm. You know, mm. uh, he has sex with Ganymede, a male as with an, as an eagle. And Paul's saying, look, if you're worshiping these pagan gods who are promiscuous, then you will be promiscuous. By the way, he's writing to people in Rome. It's Romans. He's saying, look, this is why these Gentiles and pagans are so promiscuous, because they worship gods that are promiscuous. Right. And, but then, if you stop there, and you don't go to Romans 2, he says, therefore, and you would expect him to say, therefore, God's going to send them all to hell. No, he says, therefore, y'all are without excuse. And now he's talking to, to his Jews. He says, because you do the same things. And he, continue, he goes on for another <laughs> two, three chapters where he says, if you're going to say they're without excuse, then you're also without excuse. So if you use Romans to condemn gay people, you have fallen into Paul's trap. Because he's really saying, you're the person I'm talking to. It's not them I'm talking to. I'm right. talking to you. And so when everyone, any, anytime anyone wants to use Romans to condemn gay people, I'm like, you've fallen into the trap. You're doing exactly what Paul says you're doing. You, you're thinking you're better than other people, and you are not. And so to me, um, people who, who read the Bible as consistently against anti as it's anti-gay folks, um, they're falling into a trap. Um, anyway, that's, that's my perspective on the clobber passages. There's a lot more written about that. I mean, I could talk about that for hours, but... <laughs> we might have to do another show. To me, where I want to go is I, I don't want to play defense anymore. I want to play offense. 
Right. You know, Matthew 23 says, what are you for locking people out of the kingdom of heaven? You lock people out and you don't go in yourselves, and when others try, you stop them. To me, that's what preachers do to gay folks all the time. You tie up heavy burdens for other people and you don't lift a finger to help move them. Preachers do that to gay people all the time. Um, you know, that's where I want to go. Right. I want to talk about the things that, uh, that religious people do that, that misrepresent God to other folks. In that same Romans passage, uh, Paul eventually says, uh, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. In other words, because of the way you act, no one wants any part of your God. Mm. And that, to me, is the state of the Christianity right now. That is exactly. that was. It's, it's in Romans. I'm gonna have to be, uh, because uh, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Uh, I have to look it up. But, you know, that's, that's interesting. You know, I find more and more often that I find uh, straight people who don't go to church. Mm -hmm. And anytime I'm... Like when they say they don't go to church, I'm like, why you ain't going to church? <laughs> You're like, what? What yeah. could your reason be for not going to church? And oftentimes it's just the the hypocrisy that exists in church, mm -hmm. the way that they seen the church treat other people. I mean, the bull crap that these black pastors are doing, going to see forty five. But I mean, it's always. I was talking to somebody just the other day, and she was like, "Well, you know, I, I just can't do organized religion anymore." Mm -hmm. Sure. And it's like, you know. I get me having uh, disdain for organized religion because mm -hmm. every time I go into a church, it's like you going to hell because you're gay. I'm like, I cannot be going to hell just because I exist. Mm -hmm. right. You know, like yeah. my mere existence mm -hmm. is hell worthy. Like that's mm -hmm. just not, you know, the case. I mean, even when we look at my marriage, I mean, Bobby and I have been married for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. I know several people who got married around the same time that we did. They're now divorced. Mm -hmm. I, being a photographer, I've taken <laughs> tons of wedding pictures. Half <laughs> my wedding folks are divorced. Yeah, six weeks later they're divorced. right. Like they, like ha like literally half yeah. of my divorce. You know who are not divorced? No other couple. Mm -hmm. My same sex couples. Yeah, all of them are still together. Mm -hmm. All of them are still together. Not saying that we're any better or we look at marriage any differently. Right. But, like, my straight couples, half my straight couples I've taken photos for are divorced. Right. Shit, one of them, they didn't even get married. Yeah. <laughs> and I know and I know the groom's mother is probably going to listen to this and she's going to laugh and cackle right now. <laughs> but I did um, I did some engagement photos for a couple. They didn't even get married. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, you know, I've been with my partner for 10 years. We have a child. We have a house. We have property. You know, so whether you like my marriage or not, mm -hmm. you know, if something happens to me, I need him to have my house. Mm -hmm. You know, I need for him to have the property that I own. Right. Whether you like it or not, it doesn't really matter to me. And it's it's just so crazy that people just feel like they can tell other people what they can do with their bodies. But and what what you've just illustrated to me is like in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, "You will know them by their fruits." Right. Yeah. So I mean, if if you look at someone and you see fruit in their lives, you see the fruit of the spirit in their lives. Um, how can you look at that and say? Then that these people don't know God, or these people these people aren't expressing the kind of love that God wants for the world. Yeah. To me, that's that's salvation right there. When I look at that, that's a picture to me of salve healing uh, in the in the world. And um, yeah, I mean the same same thing. If I see someone with fruit in their lives, um, this is this is also in in Acts. If we see this happen, how can we withhold the waters of baptism from these from these Gentiles, from right. these people we thought were unclean? And Peter says, well, God has shown me that I should call no one profane or unclean. And to me, that's the framework we need to look at uh, gay and lesbian relationships. Yeah, and we do not do that. We right. nasty, dirty, you know, yeah. it's just everything. Yeah. yeah. Derek, you all right over there? 
<laughs> I just have some conflicting, you know, I, I, I'm always conflicted about always. something. But, you know, the <clears throat> we went through a couple of weeks of the whole thing where the we were going through church hurt mm-hmm. and exactly what church hurt was. Mm-hmm. And there were some people saying there's no such thing as church hurt. Mm-hmm. And, Ooh, really? <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> I, I made a statement mm-hmm. and most of the people... Mm, my statement was most of the people that believed that church hurt didn't exist mm-hmm. were the ones in the church inflicting the hurt. Woo-hoo! Oh, absolutely. And, you wow. know, it, it hit a couple of people in a couple of spots where they understood and realized mm-hmm. that. But I think where I'm conflicted, where I'm in the middle is, although, I mean, the people in the church are not exactly... You know, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. And so we are hurt by people in the church or hurt by church people. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of the first to say I'm, I've got some church hurt. Absolutely. But what I have to, even from pastors to whomever else all the way down. But my grandma used to say that he's still a man. But let mm-hmm. me say this, though. You know, my pushback on that argument is that the people who hurt you from the church are usually hurting you because of something that they've been taught from the leader of the church. Mm-hmm. So saying that the church didn't hurt you because the pastor necessarily didn't say it or that somebody else did it and then the church off the hook to me is a little, well, some of it has nothing to do with church. Like when for some people, the church hurt may be, I am have a close relationship with somebody at the church. Okay. And there is a scenario that happens in our personal relationship where they do that person that's um, that member of the church with me does something that I would never think a church person mm-hmm. would ever do. How can you di- how can you just divert divorce that from the church? Well, how can I divorce that from the church? It had nothing to do with the church. Mm-hmm. It was our personal relationship, but they wouldn't, you know, but they're but, a member they, of that church. But they profess themselves to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. They profess to be a member of this church. And it's almost like if you're if you have a child and that child runs down the street and throw a rock and bust out somebody's window, you're ultimately responsible for that. So I'll, I'll say, yeah, I mean, I because I have a love hate relationship with the church. I think most pastors do, <laughs> you know, uh, especially I'm a church. I'm a church planter because I want to I want to see church take a different form. And a lot of people who do that, I, I don't I don't think that we. I don't think salvation happens apart from other people, mm-hmm. and I think I think that's one of the great insights of the Bible that it's not I'm getting my individual soul saved. It's it's we either get saved together or we don't get saved, right? You know, and so for me, um, church is whatever group of people I'm. I am my salvation is bound up with, and frankly, you guys. I mean, y'all are my church, even if we, you know we're not be may not be you part of the formal parents. structure. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm you know, like if I don't get saved with you, I don't want to be saved. Mm-hmm. You know, because because the the what, what we're talking about in salvation isn't me just getting getting into Disneyland. You know, it is it is I need to be transformed as a human being. I need to be made in the best version of myself so that I can I can be the person God created me to be. And for me, uh, I mean, there was a point at which I was anti-gay, but I had to I had to be transformed, and I am so much happier. <laughs> you know, for me that has been sal- that has been saving. Right. Even if it's not like I'm not I'm not in heaven, I am so I feel so much more at peace with myself. I mean, I, there's so much about myself I was taught to hate uh, because like I, I had to police myself so I wouldn't look gay as, as as a middle school student, right? And to be able to let go of that crap 
is <laughs> is completely liberating. Yeah. You know. Um. Anyway, so I I mean my my hope is I want that for other people, and that's what to me that's evangelism. Hey, I got good news. You don't have to be trapped by this crap religion anymore. You can be you can be set free for something that is far more life filled, far more God oriented than this stuff. Uh, I'm preaching now, so I'll that, that's good. That's that's a good word right <laughs> yeah. there. That's yeah. a good word. So tell us about your the the topic you want to bring up. Oh, okay. So like we we were talking, we kind of talked a little bit about uh, the Bible and its attitudes towards sexuality. And I want to say there's it's not monolithic. There's a lot of different attitudes. But one of my favorite stories is I think it's Genesis 20. It's it's when God shows up and talks to Abraham and Sarah, and God says, "I'm going to promise you that when I come back uh, in due season, Sarah will be pregnant." And she's listening. At the at the tent, she's exactly eavesdropping. Like what? Yeah, she laughs. <laughs> now this is a translation issue, right? Because you can read different versions, and and I always tell people we censor the Bible in several ways. We censor the Bible in translation, because we have we have choices we can make in translation. Um, we censor the Bible when we read certain things and don't read others, because we don't we hardly ever read the story of Tamar and, and Genesis chapter thirty eight, and then we. Um, uh, we also censor it in interpretation. So the pastor says from the pulpit, that's not what this means. It means this over here. Or those, those are the ways we censor the Bible. This is a translation issue. So it depends on the version of the Bible you read. You know, it's either NIV or NRSV right. or ASV, any all these other numbers, all these other letters. So God says, I'll come back in due season and you will have a child. And Sarah laughs. And in the New Revised Standard Version, she says, shall I indeed know pleasure? Mm-hmm. The NIV says, shall I indeed know this pleasure, meaning the pleasure of having a child. Right. Now, the thing is, if it depends, what is she laughing about? Is she laughing about the fact that they're old and they're going to have sex and they haven't had sex in a while? See, that's funny. And she left and his wheel is dry. Yeah, exactly. She says, <laughs> she says like, you know, they're not, what, 90 years old, 100 right, years old? Right. She, laughs, she laughs. She says, shall I indeed know pleasure? <laughs> she said, like and, one of them ladies, like, old ladies, I asked if they want to get tested. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? And so, and so, uh, and then, and then God, sa- uh, God says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed get pregnant? Now, it's only funny if, I mean, to me, the story is funny because God's talking to Abraham, Sarah's listening in, but when God is talking to Abraham, he's really talking to Sarah. He's like, I know what you really said. Right. And he says, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Right. And so there's this dialogue going on between, between God and Sarah that Abraham's not privy to. And so Abraham and God are having one conversation. God and Sarah are having another conversation. She's laughing about, am I really going to have sex? And God says, why does Sarah laugh and say, am I really indeed going to get pregnant? And she says, oh, I didn't laugh. And he says, oh, yes, you did laugh. In other words, I know what you really said. Right. You know, to me, that's funny. It's charming. You know, I mean, that makes me love Abraham and Sarah. <laughs> right. right? I, think, I think that's charming. If you don't interpret it that way and you just say, she says, well, I get pregnant. Why does Sarah laugh? It's, it's, it's so pious and, and it's not human anymore. I think God has a sense of humor. Yeah. You make the Bible seem like an episode of The Golden Girl. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but look, I mean, so how how often has has women's sexual pleasure been scandalous to Western society? Well Always. Know, always, right? Always. But I don't think the Bible is is necessarily negative about sex. I think it's matter of fact, but it depends upon how we read it, how we interpret it. You got a little S and M in there. Yeah, okay, well, so so that's the story of Samson, right? You hear um, a lot of times the way the preachers preach a story, well, Delilah tricked Samson. 
Lila didn't trick Samson. She says flat out, tell me how to tie you up, right? So what kind of relationship? Wait a minute. I've always wondered about that yeah. tricking in there. Because, like, they make it seem like she was so beautiful that she's, like, cast this spell on him. No. Whatever he said, she says, like, yes, master. Oh, man. So what she flat up tells us <laughs> is, okay, so here you got the most powerful man in the world. He's like Superman. Right. Right? And but But I think this is a fascinating story because what's the one thing the most powerful man in the world can't have or can't be? Weak. It can't be weak, can't be vulnerable, right? And how can you really have a relationship with someone if you can't be vulnerable with them? If no. you can't trust them with your secrets? No, you cannot. Samson's a sad, sad case. He's the strongest man in the world. And like, how many men are like, I want to be like Samson. I'm the strongest man in the world. Toxic masculinity. But he can't be vulnerable with anybody. So he goes to Delilah. She can give him the one thing he needs, right? Tell me how to tie you up. Tell me how to make you vulnerable. That's, that's bondage and, and domination, right? Or submissive, whatever you call it. BDSM. BDSM. Yes. And so, so he's, she says flat out, tell me how to tie you up. And they play around with it for a while. But then he, it's portrayed as, oh, well, she just nagged me to death. He wanted to tell her. He wa and to me, if you tell the story that way, it's much more interesting, right? Mm -hmm. I can sympathize with Samson. Otherwise, I'm like, you dumb bunny. I mean, what's your problem? <laughs> he was human. He was human. And, and I think we need to tell these stories in a way that makes the characters human because that's how we relate to them. I think Samson says something important to us about toxic masculinity. And, you know, it's not all about being the strongest man in the room. Right, right. And it, it really isn't. It yeah. really isn't. Yeah. So, anyway. So, there's a couple things. Uh, you got some else there? Because a couple things I want to talk, him talk about, then we can. Go ahead. So, let's talk about uh, David and Jonathan. Yeah. And Because uh, I think we kinda, you kind of tiptoed on that and then got <laughs> off of it. You know all the little scandalous stuff in the Bible. And, and yeah. I just know the Lord. It was Ruth and was <laughs> Ruth and Naomi, Ruth and, Naomi and then yeah. David and, and I know Jonathan. about Ruth and Naomi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, so I mean, you know, David says Jonathan's love was better than the love of women, and now is that in the Bible? You just make it no, up? No, he actually he said that. <laughs> um, and you know, and and you can read that as a platonic way. Yeah. Oh, you know, we this is this is like a, a buddy cop movie or or bromance or whatever. You can read it that way. It may have been um, a homo romantical. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I mean, there's there's some significant. I mean, there's some significant overtones in in some some places. So one of the places that, uh, and I used to think this was kind of a far out interpretation, but when Jesus is talking, uh, I think this is in in Luke. It's it's one one place in Matthew, another place in Luke, and they're phrased slightly different. But he's talking about the end times, and he says, "On that day, uh, or on on that night, two women will be grinding." One will be taken, one will be left. Two men will be on on in a bed. One will be taken, one will be left. Right? Um, in Matthew, they was doing what? In Matthew, it says grinding grain, but oh. in Luke, it says two women will be grinding. One will be taken, one will be left. at night. Two men will be on the same bed. One will be taken. Nobody grind the grain at night. Yeah, you don't grind grain at night. I just didn't know. Thank you, said grinding, but okay. Yeah. To, yeah, and, and so you know. If you read it that way, why would two men be in the bed? Right, yeah. Um, Grinding. There's also <laughs> so you you have so there's a question like when we go back to Leviticus, if if the command is really about uh, a man shall not lie with a man as with a woman, well, are there other ways to lie with a man? Right. You know, um, it doesn't say it doesn't say a man shall not uncover the nakedness of, which is the phrase it uses for most of the other relationships. It doesn't say a man shall not uncover the nakedness of another man. It says a man shall not lie with a man as with a woman. 
So, I mean, again, how are you reading this? Right. Are you reading this as though there's some um, there's some room for some uh, homoerotic interpretation, or are you are you reading this through your own lens, which is just anti-gayness? You right. Know? I, I don't I don't I'm not going to make a determination. I'm not going to say, oh yes, this is definitely what this is about. But I do. The thing I think is important is when you read the Bible, there are a range of interpretive options, and when you choose an option, you are making a choice. Right. It is not oh it's in black and white, and you read it. You are you are making a choice about how you interpret it. And people oftentimes I think when they say no, there's only one way to read it, they are abandoning their ethical uh, reasoning and their moral. Uh, their moral ability to say, look, I am making a choice about how to interpret this. Right. Um, as though I'm not going to be responsible for it. Well, the Bible said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, you made a choice on how to interpret it. It's on you. It is not on God. Don't pass that off on God. That's what pisses me off. Yeah, and that's the reason why you have so many people having, these, these <laughs> having all those different arguments about it because you choose to interpret it that way does not mean that I get to choose it, that I, I'm choosing the same way. Exactly. You know, like even when you try to, you know, to to debunk the uh, clobber scriptures about homosexuality, people say, well, you just choose to interpret it that way. Well, you just you choose to interpret it your way. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. do, when did you choose to be gay? Well, when did you choose to be straight? 100%. So how do we, um, like, gauge that when you are in a situation, you are having a scenario, when, you know, you go to your Bible and you read mm -hmm. and, you know, you, you say find that scripture that helps you in that moment. Mm -hmm. Well, that scripture that helps me in that moment might not mean the same thing to me that sure. it means to you. So how, I mean, am I just supposed to say, well, this wouldn't mean to me right yeah. now and it made me feel good. Yeah. That's what the Lord revealed. Well, that's what they're going to say. So I think, well, I, th I think there are a lot of, a lot of, <clears throat> ways we can we can I don't think it's all I don't I'm not going to be someone who says it's all relative and every mm -hmm. interpretation is as good as another I think there are some interpretations that are better than others right there's some just flat out nuts okay mm -hmm. but um but I also feel like God speaks to us in ways that are are not always reasonable or rational I mean there there have been times where I've been dealing with a personal issue and someone calls out of the blue and they say the word that I needed to hear right. okay now that could be coincidence but I, I kind of think about it like uh, jewels in Pulp Fiction, right? You know, it, it, the reason it was a miracle is because I felt God get involved. Mm -hmm. It's not about my feeling, right. right? But it is about my subjective experience of, of how is God active? How am I connecting with God? And so if I'm reading the Bible and I'm making interpretive choices, uh, sometimes the Bible, there may be something out of context that does speak to my situation. Man, I you know the same words can mean different things in different contexts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can say one thing to my wife and say the same thing to you, and it can mean two completely different things. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's why we have euphemisms. That's why we have <laughs> you know, that's why we have metaphors and we have misunderstandings. Yeah. Um, so I f I believe that you can read the Bible. God can speak to you through the Bible, and it may not be something that we can we can break down into a a plus b equals c. It's not a propositional truth claim. It's God connects with me on a deeper level. That was just your connection at that moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why you got to have a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that does it for this episode of Same Crap, Different Day. Dave, mm -hmm. it is always a pleasure, Thank you. It was a pleasure to, to spend time with you. Um, you know, you, you are truly my brother. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I I I don't say this lightly. You, 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 you are church to me. Thank you, man. Um, 
You yeah. allow me and my dad to have some really interesting conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like my dad yeah. is a deacon and he's uh-huh. done training for service. And so, you know, I did some of them too. And we actually have really good conversations. And I'm he's traditional Baptist. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. But the fact that he's, op- he's open to listening to... Uh-huh. Some because I say talk that's why I'm writing down scriptures because <laughs> I need to back up some of the stuff that I say. Yeah. But I just you don't know that, but I appreciate the the conversation on the outside that you give me. I, yeah, that means a lot. Yeah, because yeah. I mean it really helps to equip us when we you know go against people who are going against us. Like, mm-hmm. well, you say that, but did you know that this means that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, there's a lot to be said for you know this type of dialogue, this type of interpretation. And also, you know, when I think about Jesus and the people that he hung around, I can't see Jesus hanging around all these pious people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a very well-known church in Birmingham where, you know, the riches of the rich go there. And, you know, back in the 80s, I had a roommate when I was at Auburn. He was a member of this particular church. And he was like, well, won't you come to my church? I'm like, oh, no, I say I can't go to y'all church because if Jesus came to y'all church with some sandals on, y'all would tell him to go home and get some coal hunts. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you yeah. because that's the pie, the the level of piety that exists mm-hmm. with church people today, and I just don't think it's all about. I think money is important for spreading the gospel, mm-hmm. but I just don't think it's okay for your pastor to be making two, three million dollars, and you got parishioners here who need to take the bus to, yeah. to church. I just don't think that's right. I I cannot, and I refuse to believe that God intended for them to live like that. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Mm-hmm. I hear you. And even if he did intend for them to live like that, I think he would want them to do more mm-hmm. with what they have. Well, so yeah, well, I mean, we could have a long conversation about <laughs> economics too, but I do think, I do think, um, uh, yeah, I mean, the 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 consistent story in the Bible is that if God blesses you, it's not intended for your benefit only; it's intended for other people. Right. Uh, you know, the story of the guy, the guy that built bigger barns to hold more of his wheat. You know, well, this very night you're going to die. What is your, who's who's this going to be? Right, mm-hmm. you you your your thing is to learn how to be generous in this life. You got one shot. Don't waste it. Don't mess it up. <laughs> you know, I, I do think those are biblical messages. Yeah, you know? and I ain't got none, and I'm trying to keep from giving it all away. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, again, thanks. So there you got a thing before we go. Who I'm gonna just I'm gonna change it up today. We're just gonna say praise the Lord, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rashad, if you listen to this, we miss you, man. Uh, you know, think about you and your family, and uh, see you soon. And uh, that's I need an update, when you say. I need an update. <laughs> but that's it. Um, again, if you're listening to us, like us, um, like us, sit, write a review, send us questions. Um, don't come in my inbox asking crazy because I will get you right on up out of that. But anyway. they know to go to yours and not mine. <laughs> All right, that's it. Y'all have a good weekend. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> Thanks, Jake.